You're listening to the Save the Marriage Podcast. Your marriage can be saved and strengthened if you have the right information. Join Dr. Lee Bauckham as he explores ways for you to improve your relationship and your life, starting right now. Hey, this is Lee Balkum, and this is the Save the Marriage Podcast, the podcast designed to help you save and enrich your relationship no matter where it is, whether you're having difficulties, even if you're at the kind of the end of the line, or if you're earlier on and you want to make sure you save your marriage before it gets into trouble. I can tell you what gets people in trouble and how to turn that around. And today I want to talk about specifically two actions that people often take when they're in the midst of a crisis that do more harm than good. And yet I see it repeated over and over. In fact, it's probably the most common pattern I see. And and the reason it is, is because it's wrapped into a deep part of your brain's reaction system. I talked about this recently in a VIP training, um, and so I just wanted to kind of tag it here. The VIP trainings are much longer trainings for members of VIP, but I wanted to uh, kind of clue in on these because I want you to be able to step back and ask the question, are you making one of these mistakes in your own efforts to save your relationship? And, And it's a very quick reminder of how we often respond to any crisis in life but specifically to relationship crises. And I want to name them and tell you why they create so much trouble and then kind of talk through a little bit about a better approach. So here are the two responses. Either backing way off or pushing too hard. That's kind of the dichotomy of these responses. You, You back way off or you push too hard. So let me set the scene. Things have maybe not been so well in your relationship and you thought, hey, we'll get back to the relationship at some point. We'll get this fixed. Maybe you hit pause button on your relationship. Maybe there's been a big flare up in your relationship. Something has happened that's kind of caused it. But almost always the roots of this are in the disconnection that's already there. So suddenly a spouse says, hey, you know what? I'm not very happy here. Maybe they say, I love you, but I'm not in love with you. Or maybe they just say, I'm not happy. Something's got to change. And maybe in their mind, one of the something's got to change is they're ready to leave the relationship. Or they're just saying something in our relationship has to change. So the bomb, the D-Day, as many people describe it, the bomb is dropped, right? And suddenly the rug is ripped out from under you. If you thought, hey, we'll get back to this, you suddenly realize the pause button has been a lie all along, as I point out. There is no pause in a relationship, but when people live in that pause button relationship, it's just waiting for something to push it over. So let me just remind you what a pause button relationship is. It's when at some point you realize life is coming at you pretty fast. You got to raise the kids, get the uh, income in the the household, do all the fun things you want to do. I mean, there are lots of reasons why, but for whatever reason, you hit pause and you say, hey, we'll come back to us. We're married now. You know, we'll come back to us. But you can't do that to a relationship. There is no such thing as pause in a relationship. It will either advance or decline. It will either grow and expand or shrink and fall apart. That's the only two ways a relationship can go. So because of that, 
you have to kind of look for what comes out of the pause button relationship, which is one thing, disconnection. And once disconnection begins, if it's not reversed, the spiral gets to be wider and wider until finally somebody is willing to say, this isn't working. In some ways, you know, it's kind of the canary in the coal mine of which person in the relationship is going to say, this no longer works. I'm not happy. When that happens, when you hear those words, I'm not happy, something's got to change, suddenly you fall into a fear trap. You've probably heard of fight flight. And, and so fight flight is a common response to a known opponent. In this one, it's a little less clear. If somebody, if somebody is coming at you to attack you physically, some stranger on the street is suddenly coming at you, you might go, I've got to get out of here or I'm going to have to fight this person. That's fight flight. But when it's a little less clear who it is, maybe you have to figure out another response, which is what I call freeze flail. <laughs> and freeze flail is pretty much descriptive of these two approaches. Back way off, that's freeze. Push too hard, that's flail. You're flailing around trying to do anything you can around you. So freeze, flail is what happens. And unfortunately, that's a deeply encoded piece of our alarm system. It's what happens when you're standing around and something happens around you that fires off your fear response, but to which there isn't the enemy. Years ago, when uh, my, my son was young, he, we were at the pool and he had one of those little floaty things on him that he was, you know, was to keep him above water. But he had it on and we were all trying to get everything together. He ran towards the water, tripped and went upside down into the pool. So that same safety ring now had him flipped upside down. His little, it looked like a duck that had ducked underwater, his little feet in the air flailing, but his head was underwater. And I noticed that there were two responses of people around us, just kind of in retrospect. I was still partly clothed, and I jumped in, grabbed him, and flipped him up. And there were about two or three other people who were converging at the same time. But I looked over, and there were other people who were frozen in place. I remember hearing several uh, people on the edge of the pool going, oh, 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 but no action. They were frozen. Other people were trying to figure out what to do and were flailing around trying to write him because he wasn't the bad guy, right? He wasn't the enemy, but there was a threat suddenly in front of them. So that's freeze flail. So the back way off, this is one that I've talked about before. There are some people who have espoused the no contact rule. They've written it up. They think it's a great plan. Here's the no contact rule. After somebody says, you know, we're in trouble, what's going, you know, we, we, something's got to change, or uh, I don't want to be in this relationship anymore. You, for 30 days, have zero contact with that person. The theory is that you'll make the person jealous, you'll make them crazy, and they'll come begging back. After 30 days, that person is completely disconnected because now you've cut all contact with them. So you've gone from a disconnected relationship to a zero connection. And usually by that time, they're long gone. Believe that you've agreed with them. Believe that you're now on the same page and it's all over. 
I'll give you a little secret. Those programs that espouse the 30-day no contact, they have a 30-day return rule. (laughs) By the time you have done their program and completely disconnected, they're gone. I mean, that's the reality of this. It's a marketing ploy. And people fall into it for one reason. It feels good to not be in the midst of the pain anymore and to be believing that you're somehow doing some little magic trick, some little ninja trick, little mind control that's going to have the person coming back. Other people do the exact same thing, but without instruction. And they do it because of their hurt. There's another piece that comes into play. They don't know what to do. So if you're hurting, you don't know what to do, and you're afraid to do anything and cause more damage, one thing you can do is just back way off. Only proving the point to the spouse. We're disconnected. So what do you do? Disconnect completely. That's backing way off. So if you're saying, you know, I'm hurting, uh, we haven't been connected the way we need to, and uh, something's got to change, and the, then the other person says, okay, well, I'll have no contact with you, or I'll, I'll pull back and have very little or even less contact with you, maybe that'll fix it. It exactly does the opposite. It creates a deeper wedge in the disconnection. So, that's the back way off. Then there is the push too hard. And I want to note that many people push too hard for kind of the exact same reason that they back way off. They don't know what to do. (laughs) So, if you don't know what to do, maybe you should do everything. If a spouse says, you know, we haven't uh, been intimate for a long time, you're trying constantly to be intimate with them. The problem is the disconnection has already happened. If they're saying you never brought me gifts, suddenly you're trying to give them all kinds of gifts. I mean, whatever it is that they put in their complaint, you try to do that in spades. You try to do extra of that. Sometimes I watch people just kind of like pour everything into it. You know, they're trying to give them attention, be physical with them, give them gifts, take them on trips, do all of these things to try to win them back. The problem is it's overwhelming. It comes from a place of desperation. You're desperate. And, and that's, there's, a, there's a kind of a positive to that, right? That where suddenly you're going, hey, I really treasure this relationship. I want this relationship and I want to fix it. And so you become desperate to fix it. And so you're throwing everything from your, you know, your, your utility belt at the problem, right? And so you're just coming at it with everything, blunt, the guns blazing metaphorically, because again, there's no enemy here. So you're doing everything you can to prove to be, I'm going to change, right? That, that, that's a big declaration I hear many times. I'll change. I promise you I'll change. The problem is I'll change isn't backed up with a question of what are you going to change? What's that going to look like? What's the plan to change? Just because you say you'll change doesn't mean you will. In fact, many times the attempts have been made before. And so a spouse is saying, 
What's going to be different this time? You've promised to change in the past. You've promised we'll change our relationship in the past. Nothing is different. And now I don't have the energy for that. So the desperation leads to a trying to prove that things can be different. But it's kind of like if you're trying to build a bonfire from a tiny little flame and you throw all of your wood on top of it, you're likely to just put out the flame. You'll smother what's there. Here's another analogy that may even be more apropos. Let's say you realize that you have uh, some issue in life, some problem in your health. And the doctor says, you know what, you're going to have to get in better shape because, man, your body is really hurting here. Your body is run down. And so we're going to have to get you in better shape. And so what you decide to do is do everything you can. You start running, going to the gym, you know, eating differently. You're doing all of these things all at once. And your body is not used to that. And so you end up damaging your body along the way. What you have to do in order to get into shape, because your body has to learn to adapt to it, is to ramp up. Many people have an experience where they, you know, they'll tell me, you know, I was going to get in better shape, but I've done it in the past. You know, I went to the gym a few times and I just hurt so much I'm never going to go back. They never pace themselves enough to either get through the minor pain they had or They never pace themselves to the level that was sustainable, and so they overwhelmed their body. Both of those are counterproductive to actually getting into shape. How do you get into shape? Little changes at a time that build up until you're finally in better shape. I mean, this is the thing that many of us have this ideal we want to get to in our relationship or maybe in our health but we have to work our way to it. I've been working on my own flexibility. You know, I realized that a lot of what I've done in my life has left me um, immobile. Um, and that's probably an overstatement, but I've got some mobility issues in my hips and in my shoulders and my muscles have gotten tight. You know, when I was in jujitsu, I would be working, uh, rolling around with younger guys, you know, guys in their teens or twenties and they're very flexible. And I'm like, man, Hold on to that because guess what? You tighten up over time in life if you don't hold on to it. So I have this idea of the flexibility I want in my life, but I can't suddenly just bend over and get there, right? I can't just bend down and, and touch my, my head to my knees or I, you know, I can't make these long yoga moves or anything else because my muscles haven't adapted little by little to bigger and bigger stretches. And so all I would do is hurt myself, pull muscles, if not tear muscles, if I went too far. The same moves that somebody else who is flexible might be able to make, I've got to build to. It's the same in a relationship. You have an ideal of the relationship. You can't suddenly jump to that if you haven't been moving in that direction. If your relationship got out of shape long ago, it's going to take some time to get back to it. Which brings us to the fact that those two actions aren't going to get you where you want to get to. Backing way off or pushing too hard are not going to get there. So what's a better approach? Well, it is steady growth in the right direction by knowing what to do piece by piece of how to reconnect. 
So I'll talk about my three C's in my approach in the save the marriage system and in how to save your marriage in three simple steps. I kind of lay out a three C plan. And that is that you work on the connection, changing yourself, and creating a new path for your relationship. Connection, changing yourself, creating a new path. Now within that, we've got to make sure that the changes you're making are legitimate changes and not ones that you say you're making, but the ones that you are making. I often talk about not telling your spouse about how you're changing, but letting your spouse experience your change. Because when we proclaim it, they're going to look for places where you fail to make that change. Same with connection. Connection happens on three different levels, the physical, the emotional, and the spiritual. When you throw everything at the lacking connection, though, it's a challenge that you have to it just doesn't have the, the skill that you don't have the strength, the, the muscle knowledge to carry all of that. And it's overwhelming to a spouse. But you've got to improve connection. Connection is the lifeblood of your relationship. If you don't rebuild the connection, there's not much else that can change to get you where you want to. So rebuilding connection is important at a steady growth. And then creating a new path. It's about being a we. If you've listened to my podcast, you've heard me say that plenty of times about being a we and how you think about the relationship. Relationships that get into trouble have drifted to I relationships, you, me relationships, not our or us or we relationships. We relating is the underpinnings of a healthy relationship. When you're in a, a place where you're thinking about we, connection is much more natural. Growth, change in yourself is much more easily done. There's room for that. So part of what you're looking for is how to have a sustainable action that reconnects without overwhelming. Now, there's a lot to that, more than I can go through here. But if you want to check out my books, you can go to savethemarriage.com books to look at my books, both on thriving and on relationships, including my book, How to Save Your Marriage in Three Simple Steps. Or you can check out my system that lays out a comprehensive approach. Now, I will tell you that right now, and this isn't always true, but right now uh, I'm offering a free week of VIP. That's my uh, virtual intensive program to people who work through the system, who, who at the time of purchase, they can join VIP for a free week trial. It's actually just a free week of access. You can access the trainings, the tools. I have a plan to uh, how to save your marriage, and that's so important for this because one of the things that happens when people do nothing or everything is they don't really have a plan at all. I'll avoid or I'll overwhelm, right? It's not really a plan. And so I have a how do you build your plan. I have a fill-in-the-blank plan that I walk you right through, and that's part of VIP too. So when you get the system, go ahead and sign up for that free week. And use the resources. Make sure you take access of those resources so you can have an even more effective approach. Not only that, but at least right now, while we have room, I'll, I'll give you a mini session with one of my coaches at no charge. No obligation, no cost, no charge, just because I want to make sure that you're getting started the best you can. And that's what you approach in that session, how to get started in the process in a way that is either not too avoidant or not too overwhelming for your spouse. 
So the starting point for that is to go to savethemarriage.com. That's savethemarriage.com and grab my system. Don't overwhelm, but don't avoid. You've got to find a central path that allows you to create by using the three C's, the healthy relationship that you both will want. Check it out at savethemarriage.com. This is Lee Balkum wishing you the best as you work to save your marriage. You've been listening to Save the Marriage Podcast. For more information and help, please visit us at savethemarriage.com.